When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Jaybird Watching. I am your host, Craig Borden. I am with Brendan Panikar with me as my, you know, official Blue Jays consigliere on Sabermetrics or whatever you want to call it. How's it going, my friend? I'm good, buddy. How are you doing? Doing wonderful, as always. Could be a little bit better, but I think we might be starting to see something special starting to brew here in the Toronto Blue Jays uh, clubhouse, at least. But joining us today, we have Richard Burfer, uh, the scouting director of Evolution Metrics. How's it going, Richard? Hey, man. How's it going? I'm excited to be on. Thank you for having me. No problem. We are always happy to have more people here to talk Blue Jay baseball with. You know, everybody can only stand so much of me and Brendan all the time. We have to throw somebody in. <laughs> yeah. So, Richard. Uh, I'm, I'm here to throw in a curveball every now and then. Yeah, and uh, right. from what I hear, that's kind of your specialty anyway, right? <laughs> that is that is true. I'm currently struggling to finish my thesis over at Brock University. So, a um, couple more months and hopefully I'll be out of here. There you go, and then you can get back to full-on pitching mechanics and uh, getting into some more scouting and stuff, obviously. You have some free time, maybe? <laughs> um, I mean, at this point, not, I try to fill up my schedule as, with as much as I can, but, I mean, once, I, once I'm out of school, got to become an adult. I can't be a professional student anymore. So I'll see, I'll see what's uh, on the horizon for me. Yeah, you can only milk that one for so long, drink so much beer, and then unfortunately real life has to settle in a little bit anyway. Mm-hmm. You can still have fun. but That's, that's, mm-hmm, that's very true. And um, the thing with being a grad student, um, I feel like all of us are secretly alcoholics, especially once we get past our thesis proposal and start prepping for our thesis defense. It just starts, it starts to come, and it's kind of hit right now. I remember my state school uh, bachelor's degree here in the States being pretty kind of epic from what I can remember anyways. I'm not sure. (laughs) Some of it. (laughs) Lots of blackouts. Oh, anyway. (laughs) So, but anyway, tell us a little bit about what you got going on um, at Evolution and Metrics. Yeah, so Evolution Metrics, what we are is a third-party organization, and we cover amateur prospects, high school, college, international kids, and we try to provide as many video, as many pieces of video, as much data to our MLB, MLB clients as possible. We also have a few college clients. We have a couple of agencies that we work with. And I feel like it's a really great way for kids like kids that are in university to get their foot into the door of baseball. Because, I mean, the way it goes now, it's just so difficult to get a start in baseball. I think Evolution Metrics is just the perfect opportunity for kids to just learn about baseball, learn about the business of baseball. And it's been a really great experience for me. And be around the great That's game. awesome. <laughs> exactly. That's right. I was going to say, Richard, what did, who would you say is the coolest person that you have done a scouting report for and provided it to a baseball team? Um, oh, that's a good question. Um, being in Canada, it's tough to get a ton of um, top-tier talent. But I've seen Noah Naylor play a few times. Um, that was really cool. Uh, Noah Naylor got drafted last year in the first round by the Cleveland Indians. Um, I got to see Andy Yerzy a couple of times. He got drafted in the second round. Um, but I would say Adam Hall. He used to play in London with the Great Lake Canadians. Um, he got drafted in the second round by the Baltimore Orioles. I really wanted the Jays to get him. But just one pick before the Jays in the second round, the Orioles snagged him. And, I mean, he's been raking over in, in Baltimore's system. So I'd say that, that's been the coolest one to date. 
that had awesome. to be somebody yeah, well, in the managed... Orioles system finally doing something. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, new management. Hopefully, they just figured out that international signing bonuses is a thing. You can sign guys from outside of America and Canada. Um, I think it's really big for them to change their management because you can start to see that they're starting to move in the correct direction. Yeah, or at least pilfering off yeah, well, Dwight Smith Jr. from us. They're doing pretty good. <laughs> oh, I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> Brendan and I have been but, stewing on that one pretty efficiently the last few shows because he's just been doing nothing but rake for the O's. <laughs> and for my fantasy team, so I guess I can't really complain. Points. Yeah, there you go. Always got to have the fantasy team implication in on it as well. It's kind of a yay boo moment at the same time. It's like, crap, that could have been a Blue Jays player, but at the same time, you're getting a hell of good production from your fantasy team right now, so nothing to complain about there. There we go. I feel like yeah. while the Jays are, are kind of doing rough, my, base, my fantasy baseball team is something that can just get me going a little bit and just help me wake up every morning. <laughs> wake up, change the lineups, get set up. What place are you in right now? Um, right now, I'm, I think I'm five and one on the season, so things are going really, really well. Um, Glass now just got hurt, so oh, you um, have him too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my my uh, pitching rotation is just a bunch of airbenders and guys who just throw ninety nine. It's awesome. <laughs> I was doing pretty good with my twenty seventh and twenty eighth round pick with Marcus Stroman and Sanchez until this past week. <laughs> Those are your 27th and 28th round picks? Correct. Because we, we do a 25-man roster, or 24-man roster, then three bench spots, and I always pick all pitchers, and those were my la- the last two picks I had in the draft. Wow, that is bizarre. That's a steal, honestly. Like, I forget where I am. I'm in the States here in Rochester, New York, all Yankees and Red Sox fans. They're looking over the Blue Jays guys. I was honestly surprised that Danny Jansen was around until that pick right before that, and I actually was planning on picking <laughs> – him where I was picking Marcus Stroman. <laughs> For sure. And I, I feel like Danny Jansen's a good a good catcher to have in like a dynasty league because I think eventually he's gonna break out. I'm Seen just glimpses of it. it. Like it's gonna happen. Yeah. Seen some glimpses of it while he's hitting some hard line drives and whatnot, but it, um just like Vladdy was for a little while there, just right at everybody. And honestly I think that's been uh J D Davis's problem so far. Yeah, I I completely agree with you. Um, the, the Jays' offense has has had a little bit of a rough patch this season, but now we can see that Vladdy's starting to hit the ball, um, and it starts it's starting to find Green, or unless he gets a home run. Um, but it's it's really exciting to see what's happening with the Jays, even though they're not really winning. You can kind of see a vision for the future, and you can see that something's here, like a core is starting to be built, and that that gives the fan base hope. So. Hopefully Danny Jansen starts to pick it up soon. I still have, I still really, really like him as a prospect. I thought he was really, really great. Um, it's good to see that he's really up to his game behind the plate. But I mean, it's just bad that got him here. So I'm, I'm assuming that it's going to come um, sooner rather than later. I think it's one of those things that thing as I... the rest of the batting order starts picking up around him, it's going to only make him, you know, the, it's that feeding off of everybody thing, and that's what has been prevalent for all these guys throughout the minor league system. You being a scouting director, I'm sure you can appreciate the fact that these guys have won with each other consistently throughout the years, and including two championship teams. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I think the Jays are doing everything exactly how they should be on the, on the minor league level. Like, they have a ton of talent coming up and as far as their current roster you can see there's some bats that are keepers for for quite a quite a while and if guys can start to hit um in their spot everyone's gonna start to pick it up right because if one guy's not hitting the next guy's starting to see bad pitches that guy starts especially if you're a young hitter like danny jansen he's gonna try to expand his zone chase some stuff to make things happen especially if the jays keep struggling you know one thing I've been very encouraged about Danny Jansen so far is how well and how much attention to detail he's given to his defensive side of the game. Because isn't that what we were saying almost all last year after he came up? He still has some room to work on behind the plate. So I think he gets a little bit of a pass in terms of his uh, uh, low production offensively. But Richard, if you go around the Blue Jays diamond as currently set up and you can go into the bullpen and the pitching rotation as well, those guys who are kind of on the fringe, like up to Oscar Hernandez, a Billy McKinney, 
some of these guys who haven't been locked into full-time co- or to long-term contracts yet, like Randall Gritchick, and you could go down to guys who've had a cup of coffee, like Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and a few others, like Anthony Alford. Mm-hmm. If you're projecting the team for 2020, 2021, who's still in this roster? Because right now, it seems like there's a lot of fillers. Yeah, I agree with that. And I feel like the fact that all these guys are so controllable and cheap for the next few years, you're still going to probably see them around next year. Um, I think the, the big thing with Blue Jays fans is they see all these big, shiny prospects and they think all of them are going to be good and turn out to be something. Uh, I feel like the theory around Toronto is that in, tw- in 2021, we're going to have um, a, a team full of these prospects. But the fact is, like a lot of these guys don't make it and don't become what they're, they were predicted to be. Like Vadi Guerrero, obviously, is completely different, and you can see that even when he was struggling when he came up, he was tearing the cover off the baseball. But guys like Oscar Hernandez, Billy McKinney, these these were average prospects when they were coming up. Uh, Billy McKinney was like a top twenty guy when he got called up at the Jays initially, and you can see that he's struggling to make adjustments in the in, in the outfield uh, with his bat. Oscar Hernandez, his swing sometimes gets a little long. You can see that he has he chases a lot. So, as far just have as to say, he, it, golden sombrero today for Teoscar Hernandez. That is brutal. That's brutal. And so speaking the, the of long sad swing. thing is, yeah, the sad thing is, this is not going to be his last one this season. Like this dude chases a ton, and it's it becomes easy to pitch to guys like that. And I mean, if Teoscar Hernandez doesn't hit twenty five, thirty bombs a season, does his bat become useful in the lineup? Because he's not really a good outfielder. And if he strikes out a ton, it's, that's not good. And the Jays right now in baseball, I think their K per, K per nine is uh, K percentage is, ranks some of the highest in baseball. I think it's bottom, it's top five, and that's not going to cut it. But I mean, as far as prospects goes, Danny Jansen, I think he's going to he's going to turn into something. Vladdy uh, Biggio is looks like he's going to be really really good, and we'll see what happens. I think the Jays have a ton of talent lower down in their minors like Nate Pearson and Pardino so we'll see what comes out of those guys so as we're talking unless Brendan you got anything to add right there before I jump on no I'm good so as we're talking about the you know where this team is heading and everything we have to hit on one note here that was a recent thing obviously but the other day was Roy Holiday's 42nd birthday if he was still with us God rest his soul Um, but we are not too far away from having a bunch of Roy Hallidays on this team. And looking back at what he did in his career, just insane. Nothing but spades and aces all over this thing. And, Rich, just give us what you think about Roy Holiday, because I know you watched him a lot, too. For sure. And um, just growing up as a Jays fan, like, I'm 24. So when I first started watching baseball, that was that was really the guy that I started really watching every fifth day Roy Halladay honestly in my lifetime that I've seen he's probably been the best Jays pitcher um, since I wa- started watching baseball um, uh, started following the Blue Jays I I wasn't around for Roger Clemens being on the Jays so it's really been Roy Halladay and it's, inc- it's incredible what kind of pitcher he became with the Phillies um, you saw him throw a no-no in a perfect game I think in, with the Phillies in the playoffs He's one of the best to ever do it. It's, it was incredible watching him, and it's really, really sad to see him go. And, I mean, I got a chance to watch his son pitch a little bit um, in the past. He's a Penn State commit, and you can just tell the similarities his son has with um, Roy Halladay, and it's refreshing to see. Brennan? Yeah, I think my favorite memory of him just going off uh, was his 10-inning complete game I guess the Detroit Tigers, I believe, back in 2005 or 2006. But Richie summed it up perfectly. I mean, uh, I, he's still the best Blue Jays pitcher I've seen since being a Blue Jay fan, and that was around the end of 2004 and beginning of 2005. And I honestly don't think we're ever going to see anybody again that's like Roy Halladay, somebody who can go out there and consistently give you seven, eight, nine innings almost every time out and pretty much be guaranteed win night whenever he pitches. So, I mean, hopefully – we get somebody that comes up through the system that is exactly like Roy Halladay or can, can come close to that, but, uh, mm. man, he was a treat. And I can even still think of the first time I saw him. wasn't a vintage Roy Halladay start, only about five innings, gave up four runs, I believe. But after that, almost every time out, he was uh, exactly how Richard, you described him. 
Mm-hmm. And it's it's just really close to think um, a guy like Aaron Sanchez just has so many similarities with uh, someone like Roy Halladay. Like he th- he has a bit of a sinker, uh, good curveball, and you don't really see the, those types of guys in baseball now because everybody's emphasizing the four seam up, breaking ball down. So it's 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 crazy, but just you don't see a lot of pitchers like Roy Halladay anymore. Like if you look around baseball now, how many sinker guys do you see that are starting? I mean, there's Mike Soroka in in um, Atlanta but other than that there's not too many because of just how the game is changing it's in, it's kind of incredible yeah the whole games went blow out pull all the <laughs> stops out and just throw the ball as hard as you can and hope everybody misses it somebody with finesse that yeah. also can throw the ball like Halliday you know it's just it's unheard of and it's amazing that the game has changed that much in such a short time but I thought it was really interesting Richard that you brought up the Roger Clemens p- comparison even just touching over it there I, I'm being just a little bit older than you guys. I'm 34. I had the pleasure of watching Roger Clemens in the, you know, in a Blue Jay uniform, and then the, thank God the, I saw him get lit up when he was like in his first start against the Blue Jays after the trade too. It was also like one of the longest games in Blue Jays history. <laughs> um, but Clemens, Clemens was a different kind of pitcher, but you could see just like with Halliday, it was Hall of Fame stuff. There was nobody better than him in this game at the time that he is going through all those Cy Youngs and all the playoff appearances with the Phillies and everything. This is a guy that could have maybe, if he didn't play a few rough years in Toronto, he could have been pushing that 300 win number. You know, he was playing on some crummy teams and still pushing out 15, 16 wins every season just because he was Mm -hmm. that stinking good. For sure. And I think that's the big thing that the Jays have been missing for a really long time now. It's just having that guy uh, start every fifth day, and you're just confident. Give give him the ball, and he's going to get you that W. Like obviously, I'm not a, I'm not the biggest fan of just the win stat, but it's the fact that you can rely on this guy to come into the game and get you that quality start and put you in a position to win. Because the only really what a starting pitcher their main job is to put the offense in a position to win the game after nine innings and. Nobody has done it like Roy Halladay in a really, really long time for Blue Jays. Because even Dave Steve was about the one that only one that you can make the comparison as far as how long he stayed in a game. But he didn't have the lights out stuff that Roy Halladay had. He just knew how to get people out. For sure. So, and I think we're never going to see guys throw as many innings like Roy Halladay did. That's not a thing anymore. Yeah, I don't see that complete game. Complete games are a thing of the past now. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. But it's also the state of the way baseball is going with how important the bullpen is this time. I think the closest that we've seen to Roy Halladay in any given stretch was David Price's stretch in 2015 for those two to three months before the playoffs started. Because every fifth day, with how locked in Price was, just barely above two ERA, right around the same FIP, he was not giving up any runs consistently going seven, eight innings and exactly what they needed. But, Richard, it kind of leads into the question about the state of the Blue Jays' rotation. I'm going to skip over the Vladimir Guerrero night. We'll save that for the end to do our gushing. But the current sure. state of the Blue Jays' rotation, you have Aaron Sanchez, Marcus Stroman, Trent Thornton, Edwin Jackson, and they use the other – I think as of, fr- as of now, Friday, the last I saw was that the opener is scheduled to start, and it's supposed to be Daniel Hudson. That may have changed. But it kind of opens up the question that Craig and I have been debating the last few episodes, and I think there's an equal case to both sides. What are you doing if you're the GM of the Toronto Blue Jays with Aaron Sanchez and Marcus Stroman? Are you extending one and trading one, trading both, or do you consider exploring extensions with both of them? I mean, and to answer that question, I, you got to know what their plan is uh, three, four years down the line, right? Um, right now, if I was the GM, I think the Jays just want to go younger so bad that trading both Stroman and Sanchez would be probably the best option. Um, if the Jays end up signing one of them to an extension, I wouldn't I wouldn't be opposed to it because at the end of the day, um, the Jays could go younger, and that's all great and all. But you got to find innings somewhere, and you can tell that the Jays are struggling finding innings. Like they they got an opener. They have got their the back end of their rotation is a revolving door. Like they had Edwin jo- uh, Edwin Jackson uh, come in and throw today, and that dude is literally being tossed around by every MLB team uh, since he got into the league. So <laughs> it's, it's just, good it's today, just tough. 
<laughs> he wasn't bad. Dude, the thing, the thing Fifth is, starter Jackson, equivalent, right? You know, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. If you get you get him, Edwin Jackson, and you're getting somebody that's a replacement level on a fifth starter, mm. as long as he's eating yeah. five innings every time he goes out there and is staying around three runs, I think the offense should be able to make up for that. I mean, you would hope, but the thing with Edwin Jackson is, like, he's he has good stuff. Like, you were watching him pitch today, and he's pumping 95 at the beginning of the start. It's just... It just his command kind of gets finicky every now and then, and that's when you see him get hit really, really hard. But when a guy like him gives up three three runs, that's he does he does his job, which is he puts you in a position to win. It's the fact that the Jays are just struggling to get offense. They rank at the very bottom of literally every offensive category. So, I mean, and just to go back to your question. Would I extend any uh, Sanchez and Stroman? I'm at this point, I might extend one of them. But I feel like based on what we see the Jays are trying to do, which is build for the future, it doesn't really make much sense to hold on to everything, right? I agree. It's going to be emptying the cupboard for sure. That's the one thing that we were debating, I think, last week, was it, Craig? Where, or maybe it was two weeks ago. Where, yeah, you could trade both of them, but you mentioned, Richard, how much they're struggling to fill innings right now uh, in the rotation, and that will only be continue to be a problem after the deadline, or even if it's a month or two before the deadline, that they trade one of those two. Who down in the minor weeks is impressing you most? Because Buffalo is a write-off. And there's a few guys down in double-A. I know, Craig, you are absolutely in love with Patrick Murphy, and for good reason. <laughs> They've been spotlighting uh, him a lot. Yeah, it's exactly. not because he was yeah, one of yeah. my more recent interviews, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, not for that reason alone. But if... The Blue Jays are to call somebody up. Who, who, who's next in line to get up here? Because it's not anybody down in Buffalo. And I think we're already seeing them tipping their cap that they're not going to be in any rush to call up a Patrick Murphy or a NZTS to make a spot to make a spot start, even if they are on the 40-man roster. Jesus, that's a that's a loaded question. Because just <laughs> seeing how the Jays handled the whole Vladimir Guerrero call-up, like the fact they're not going to be calling up Patrick Murphy. And you look at a guy like Nate Pearson, this guy's stuff blows you away. Like it, I kind of compare uh, Nate Pearson to Casey Mize with the Tigers. Like Casey Mize shouldn't be in the minors. He can fully pitch in pro ball right now. But because of the contract situation, they can't call him up. And chances are they're going to call him up next year after the window's over. And the same thing's probably going to happen with Nate Pearson. Like I think Nate Pearson's going to be up next year. So that being said, hopefully Baraki gets healthy and the Jays can b- bring him up. Um, I don't know, maybe Buckles is going to get healthy again. Uh, maybe they're going to give Sean Reed Foley another chance. But guys like Patrick Murphy and and, and Nate Pearson, they're, they're not going to be sniffing them the majors this year. And other than that, they're probably going to have to go and look at the waiver wire, maybe trade uh, cash considerations for another pitcher, you know. That's, I mean, they brought in Edwin Jackson because they don't want to call up a lot of their uh, top prospects. So I, I feel like that's the direction the Jays are going to be going, and that's why it's going to be super tough to trade both of Sanchez and Stroman because after that, what are you going to do? I hope it's not Sean Reed Foley. <laughs> As a minor league enthusiast, I have not seen anything impressive from him at all this season. And watching him and the Buffalo Bison struggle the way they have been doing, pitching is at a high premium. For the in the in the mm-hmm. international league right now, and in for a division that the Bisons should be probably walking away with with all this talent on their mm-hmm. roster, um, yeah. But if right now I'm looking at Sean Reed Foley's line: no yeah. wins, two losses, eight point one three ERA in thirty one innings, and unfortunately, guys, that's a kind of consistent high. It's not a you know one bad outing pushing one... that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, if I can make one comment and. Reed Foley's defense, he's always had really, really good stuff. And he's only 23, and you just hope he can kind of learn to control it because you see you see those crazy stats, like his ERA is, what, 8 point whatever. But you jump over to his strikeouts per nine, and it's, oh, it's around 11, 12, right? So you can see that it's the there. stuff is there. He blows people away. Like it's, He has a legitimate fastball. He has a legitimate breaking ball that gets guys to swing and miss on it. It's just he can't control it and you hope that eventually he gets it because if he can he can be a really really good pitcher on the next level and we saw it at times last year um i, yeah. I know i 
pitched against Baltimore where he pitched incredibly. And I, you can say it's Baltimore, yeah, but you just watch how he located all his stuff, like his fastball up, breaking ball away. And, and you just see it and you're like, oh, my God, he could be that. But he just hasn't been able to string it together consistently. Yeah, and just for the record, Richard, I uh, I do think he's going to be something special. I just don't want him doing it now when he is clearly working through some stuff. Yeah, and dude, he has a great mustache too. Like you want to see that face? <laughs> Perfect. It's not quite dude, as epic as Bobachet's hair, but <laughs> Bo flow. Oh, uh, that! <laughs> I think everybody, every Blue Jays fan, dreams of that flow at night. <laughs> so, but as far as the other options go in Buffalo, you're looking at like a guy we just reacquired in Jordan Romano as a possible who's been struggling since rejoining. He's had one good outing. Uh, Jacob Wozniak is a, probably the best pitcher right now in the starting rotation. Yeah. <laughs> so Ryan Farabend has been in and out of the rotation, but I don't see him as a guy that's going to stick there either. Mm-hmm. How about Andrew Subko? He's, I, he's been a guy who, who's been pitching really, really well, and I don't think the Jays are going to be as of him so if he's ready maybe they'll they'll throw him out there and I mean the Oakland Athletics just cut Kendris Morales and he can pitch yeah there you go <laughs> There's that zero yard, doesn't he? <laughs> but can he get on base oh that's why they got kicked out of Oakland <laughs> <laughs> I mean we don't, we don't need him to throw on, get on base if he can throw that, that curveball you showed last year with the Jays nine foot bender <laughs> there we go <laughs> So, as far as the rest of the rotation goes, do you see anybody... I, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised on the Sopko deal. Just acquired him last year. or not, Yeah, for recently. He was the Martin deal, yep. right? Dodgers? Yep. Yep. So, I was thinking he was on the other trades for a second there. My bad. <laughs> but he's looked really good, and honestly, I actually did get the chance of watching um, his start for the Bisons the other day. He was lights out. Look very good. Yeah, he's a little bit older and too, isn't he? I think he's like twenty two, twenty three. But okay. if you look at his, if you look at his stuff, I think it's, I mean, twenty four. Pretty, I see pretty solid stuff. Like I've I've only watched a little bit of video on him, but like his fastballs, his fastball works. He has a pretty good slider. Um, I mean, he can pitch. Now the reason he got the call up to Buffalo is because he was not being even challenged in the Eastern League at double A with the Fisher Cats anymore. 34 and a two-thirds innings, a 2.34 ERA, and I think this is what really shows how good he was doing. He did, he had a .89 whip in New Hampshire. No base runners so you, at all. Yeah, so he was untouchable. <laughs> exactly. And funny enough, throughout his first start as a Buffalo Bison, he has a .88 whip. <laughs> Fun with wow. numbers. Uh, if only we can have something like that with the Jays, that would be nice. I know, right? <laughs> Some kind of consistency. Maybe Kawhi nice. Leonard can. Uh, maybe Kawhi Leonard can come in and throw a start and see how he does. I mean, he's doing everything. You know what? Else. We know you, you know, can go with better out of the corner. That's <laughs> yeah. right, and that's actually kind of the perfect segue into the next topic of discussion because I wanted to ask you when you came on. Where were you for Kawhi Leonard's shot, but also where were you for the next iconic Toronto sports moment, which was Vladdy's home run last night, which was the first of his major league career? Um, for the Leonard shot, um, I just finished uh, Mother's Day dinner, ran over to a Jack Astor's with uh, my dad, and just started pounding beers because that game was just super stressful. And then <laughs> uh, when Kawhi Leonard hit that shot, I, like the entire the entire bar side just exploded and I was just trying not to swear because my dad's around um didn't really know what to do with my hands didn't really know what to do with myself it was super exciting uh when Vladdy hit a home run I was just like oh dude like I was waiting for that my entire life like Vladdy is our son now <laughs> so it's all perfect right so where were you for the Jose Everything Batista bat flip would be the next question right <laughs> Jose Batista um I was at my girlfriend's place and it happened and I went crazy and none of my girlfriend's uh, roommates um, are baseball fans so they had no idea what was going on um, well, that's a sh- that was fun. <laughs> especially when there was like an hour of just throwing shit on the field and booing <laughs> right yeah. before it uh-huh. I've been alive for some pretty cool moments I've been around 
There's been enough good ones. Toronto gets a bit of a bad rep from the sports city. Maybe, probably because they haven't really won any major championships of the big three, but there's been some yep. pretty cool sports, that's for sure. Yeah, for sure. But I think I'm kind of ready to go to a championship parade at this point. Me too. Hopefully the Raptors can bring that. We'll see. <laughs> Knock on oh, desk. Yes. I'd be so excited. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That was so, seeing you segue just that direction, Brendan, Vladdy, let's gush. This kid was, we saw some signs that this was coming in the outpour mm. last night. Um, he was on base, I, God, I think he said like 8 out of 12 at bats for singles and walks. Mm. But nothing really flashy, flashy, other than the fact that apparently his one single was still harder than any other Blue Jays baseball batted since the StatCast era started. <laughs> 113 miles an hour on a single or something like that was on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, on Saturday I was at Saturday. that game, and he hit a 120 mile per hour foul ball yesterday. That's simply unheard of. But yeah, you're right. There were so many signs that he was getting close to breaking out. He was starting to take his pitches, but also the amount of hard contact and exit velocity on some of the balls that went for outs was absolutely crazy. So his expected batting average on Statcast was obviously much higher than his actual batting average. But now you saw he's taking his walks, pitchers are coming to him, and he's not missing his pitches that he was early on. He's finally settled in. Mm-hmm. And Brandon, you go to a lot of Jays games. Like, how would you feel if 120 is going right at you? I'd be scared shitless, man. <laughs> oh, look, ball, oh, quack. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but yeah, you just you had to expect this to happen. And when Vladdy first came up, you can just see how carefully guys are pitching to him. And obviously, as a young guy, and you're not getting your hits at first because he's hitting the ball so hard, but it's not falling. So you have a tendency to kind of overreach and expand your zone. But um, if you saw a couple day, a couple games before um, when he hit a home run uh, yesterday against the Giants, you can just see him starting to be a little bit more patient at the play because he's starting to hit the ball and it's starting to find holes. And you can just tell that it's coming because he's hitting everything in like a hundred plus miles per hour. And honestly, that dude's bat speed just blows my mind. Like there, I can't think of many dudes with better, with quicker bat speed than Vladdy Guerrero. Like he's, he's up there with like Javi Baez, Clint Frazier. It's insane. Like this dude rakes and you just knew this was going to come. And what I actually found really interesting, just watching the game yesterday, he just looks like such a mature hitter because he hits the ball so hard. But there was one at bat yesterday when I think he ended up walking. But there's so many borderline pitches. Like, he worked it up to a 3-2 count, and he's just not biting on borderline pitches. And his understanding of the zone is just so elite for his age. It's incredible. Like, I only aspire that my future kid becomes a Vladdy Guerrero. <laughs> I think that's about every father's baseball aspirations for their children. <laughs> there is to become somebody I mean, like Vladdy Jr. But I think that was, I think you summed up what led to his breakout yesterday. The fact that when he came up, he was swinging a little bit at everything as he was anxious and wanted to do something. And at least when Brendan and I went there for Vladimedium <laughs> that was going on on opening night for him, basically there, um, he got the hit that led to the eventual walk-off win that evening but and since then it was kind of like oh my god what's going on something's wrong with him and i just it was earth shattering to me that anybody even brought up the idea like oh send him back to buffalo he's not ready (laughs) i'm like you need to all sit the heck back down and wait Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then the patience came out yeah yeah and honestly if two weeks ago somebody tells you to that you have to send vladdy back to um, buffalo just tell them no because this dude just tearing the cover off the ball. You're, you're going to get hits if you hit the ball hard. You're not going hit, to get hits if you roll over. And Vladdy's hitting the ball really, really hard, and it's coming. Like, you can see, like, it's going to come. Like, this dude's going to be a prolific hitter, just seeing how he, just how he understands the zone and how he just makes contact. Like, the barrel awareness, the way he, he gets the, bat on the, the barrel on the ball. Like, it's elite. He has some elite tools at the plate. Yeah, I know you guys probably only saw him at the end of his career being a Blue Jay at that point, but he reminds me so much of how he hits the ball as a young Frank Thomas. And just the plate awareness, the fact that he barrels everything, and the other fact that Hawk Harrelson gave Frank Thomas his nickname, the Big Hurt, because he was like, oh my God, that poor baseball. That's all I'm thinking with Vladdy yeah. in the box. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a really good comp. 
like I, I went down to Buffalo last year to watch him a couple of times and he kind of reminded me a little bit of Manny Ramirez when he swings. Like this dude hits the ball really, really hard. So compare him to anyone who hits the ball really, really hard. And I mean, I'm pretty happy. Yeah. I think it's pretty safe to say things are finally turning Toronto sports fans way where we finally have the next big prospect in the sport of baseball. Safe to say that he isn't going to break our hearts anytime soon or ever. Nope, we have him for the next 10 years, I think. Something like that. That's dynasty level, fellas. <laughs> Build this team around okay, him. And that's what I think they're doing a pretty good job on. But that, that Aaron Sanchez, Marcus Stroman thing is going to be pushing that window in which direction I, is the question at this point. Um, because in all reality, if you've got Boba Shett and all these other kids coming up and you can sprinkle in a little bit from free agency, this team has got that core that is going to be something special. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the Jays have, I mean, I think the window has closed on guys like Stroman and Sanchez. They had that window a few years ago, and it just failed. That's how sports work. But I just don't think the Jays are going to compete until, like, a Nate Pearson comes up, um, even a Klopfenstein comes up, because that's, that's what the Jays are going to really build their starting rotation around. And I think the the big thing with having so many prospects, a lot, like I said earlier, a lot of people think that this team is just going to be made up of super prospects. It won't. That's a, that's not going to happen. But having all those prospects available, some of them are going to hit and they're going to be good. But the others, when Jays are ready to compete, you got to start shipping them out for legit guys. Get a Justin Verlander. Get a, get someone like that who can fill out your rotation, fill out your batting order, and mix in that good good mix of of young guys and a veteran who can really perform and that's how you win that's how everybody does it that's the cycle of baseball that's how they built them in cleveland too with the same people running the show there so i'm pretty confident in that they are going to be spending the money probably as soon as next year with so few financial commitments on the books but mm-hmm. also having to patch some of those holes as well so it's exciting guys i think we're all on the same page when it comes to it's close and I think they are getting going to be close to competing. Maybe not next year. I think they'll be good. But I think come 2021, we can start considering them mm-hmm. as a playoff team. Yeah, for sure. And if if Danny Jansen breaks out, Nate Pearson comes up, Bo comes up, Biggio comes up, and you start to see Vladi really, really take off, like it's 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 happening. And when the when the Jays organization and the front office sees that, then they're going to spend. Right now, it doesn't make it doesn't make any sense to spend. But I mean. You can tell it's coming, and you can you could kind of see it with how the Jays built that um, Randall Gritcher con- uh, contract, how it's very front loaded, and on the back end they don't pay as much. So you can tell that they're getting ready to pay a lot of money um, in the next few years when they're ready to compete. So, fellas, I got to bring up one recent call up, and I honestly think he might be sputtering a little bit, uh, but he's hitting the ball pretty hard. Jonathan Davis. Is this the next Dwight Smith Jr., or is this another flop-ish person? But played very well throughout his minor league tenure, played with a lot of injuries. Uh, Richard, you're our, our guest. I'll let you tee it up first. Uh, sure. I, I mean, with Jonathan Davis, he's kind of always been a bit of a fringe uh, prospect, and it's very easy to get, to fall in love with his numbers in Buffalo, even though it's only been really like a month, month and a half. Um, but... I've seen I've seen a ton of Jonathan Davis even back when he was with uh, the University of Central Arkansas. He's got he's a toolsy guy. He's a toolsy, super athletic guy. Um, is he going to drive the ball consistently? No. So, but I mean, he's he's a dude who can do a lot of good things ar- uh, around the diamond. It's, I can kind of see him being sort of like a fourth outfielder. And if he turns into something better than that, then that would be great because I think he can really play center field. And if you can play center field and, and hit at least 270, get on base 33, 35% of the time, you're legit. And I think that's really the ceiling for a guy like Jonathan Davis on the MLB level. Brennan? Yeah, I completely agree with that. I hope if Jonathan Davis, like you said, Richard, can play good defense or even a, a well above average defense, especially with his speed, if he contributes mm-hmm. a little bit with the bat, you can maybe have something that you saw with Kevin Pillar in 2015 when Pillar was just yep. a little bit below league average yep. offensively in the weighted runs created plus department, but his defense was so good. Pillar was a four-win player that year, and there's a whole yep. bunch of other guys around the MLB that are like that. Juan Magaris doesn't hit very well, but his defense is absolutely incredible, so he's usually consistently a three- to four-win player. 
Keon Broxton, when he's actually when he's healthy, he's hitting, playing good defense as well. So if Jonathan Davis can be that, then you can easily stick him in center field at the bottom of your mm-hmm. order for yeah. on a contending team. Mm-hmm. And and the thing with Jonathan Davis is he still does have some sneaky pop. Like like I said last year, I was down in the Buffalo game, and this dude went oppo taco, and I was just like, oh, I didn't know he could do that. So there's <laughs> there, there's some tools there with Jonathan Davis that are really interesting, and I think the way baseball, the direction baseball is going now, that where defense is becoming such a valuable thing that people look at, because even like ten years ago. MLB teams really didn't know how to quantify defense, but now you can start to see so many different analytical stats coming out that really looks at defense, and you can see the value of guys like that. Like how you you mentioned um, Danny Jansen, how he's been improving behind the plate. I think framing runs is the most important thing a catcher can do, and right now Danny Jansen is in top three for framing runs. Right behind Austin Hedges, who's an elite catcher behind the plate, and Yasmani Grandal, who's always been a top that uh, top that category for years now. So, awesome. That might not be there, but the dude's saving runs behind the plate for pitchers. Yeah. So, Jonathan Davis, in my opinion, I think Brendan kind of touched on it here that his ceiling is someone like Kevin Pillar. His basement, mm-hmm. not on this team. <laughs> but right now, in a when Randall Gritchick is really your only clear-cut starting center fielder, and that still even might be debatable with some of his you know on and off spurts he play. Mm-hmm. You got to be putting him out there and seeing what you have, and I think the Blue Jays made a good call by finally bringing him up and seeing what he's made out of. We know we can do really well in the Myers. See if he's a flash in the pan or not, and if he's going to factor into this outfield in the future. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a good time to really experiment. Like I'm, I really hope that Anthony Alford could turn into something. And I thought what we saw from him in spring training was kind of like a sign that he's making changes and making adjustments but i mean he's struggling a ton in buffalo right now so you yeah. kind of have to go his batting that. average is actually up 30 points from last week what happened i thought he was batting like a buck 50 now he's at almost 180 <laughs> let's go <laughs> i know All look at me getting excited so bad. <laughs> he's actually had so bad. nine hits in his last 10 games so he has been trending in the right direction but somebody, same tools as Jonathan Davis, but way higher ceiling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think with a guy like Anthony Alford, like we saw in spring training, that the power tool is really starting to come. So if he can just put everything together, I think he can still be really good because he's still an explosive athlete. We just kind of need him to kind of get his stuff together and figure it out, or I just you know. Try. <laughs> you know what guys I'm hoping he follows a very similar career trajectory one of my best buddies he's long said a guy who was a late bloomer in center fielder with all the tools all the same skill sets that Anthony uh, Anthony Alford has as Lorenzo Kane. Lorenzo Kane blossomed really late and has turned into a MVP candidate year in and year out uh, and if he can come somewhere close to that career path then hey I think you're two thirds of the outfield set for the uh, long-term picture. Mm-hmm. And it's cool because Lorenzo's Kane swing is kind of similar to Anthony Alford's as well. So if we have another Lorenzo Kane here, I'm totally on board for that. Absolutely, man. That's that would be, uh, that would be a welcome. Yeah, absolutely. One thing right, I Jerry, noticed that he is really out of his game as far as his stats go. He is striking out at a big clip compared to his previous seasons. And I know if that's adjusting to triple a, or what? He played a whole season later yeah. last year, and he struck out 112 game, uh, times in 105 games. He's going to pass that at this rate. <laughs> He's got 43 well, and 30 games well, so far. Well, join the club. Everyone on the main roster striking out a ton, too. <laughs> He's better Fitting than in that, with man. The big league roster. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I miss Tony Gwynn. <laughs> yeah, that, the, those are the days. Yeah. Well, when we didn't care about striking out. Yeah. Oh, that's how. <laughs> so, all right. So let's wrap well, up. Rich, oh, go ahead. 
No, I was just going to say the exact same thing. We promised to get him out by the start of the Raptor game, where we're getting close there. So, Craig, I'll let you do the honors. Yeah, so I just want to talk real quick about the Giants games. The last We had the blowout yesterday and the whatever the hell you want to call it today. <laughs> that we're, More or less, we only had as many runs on the board is because the Giants felt like giving a few to us. So, mm-hmm. last night, Vladdy is officially on, but the rest of the offense looked pretty good. Anybody? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Um, I, I mean, that's kind of what we should expect from these days. One day they play really, really well. Another day they don't play well. And that's that's kind of the issue of having it. One of the worst teams in baseball, really. Like the Jays rank in the bottom five in almost every offensive category. So, like the, these games are going to happen. The big thing with this season is just you got to go through these growing pains and hope that the younger guys can really pick it up. Hope that Randall Grichuk can hopefully show you a little bit more because they did invest a little bit in him. It's it's really just a season of growth and not to get not to get too high when guys explode and not to get too low when everyone's kind of sputtering. You know, I agree with that wholeheartedly. You're going to see weeks like you did with that road trip where they went out to Minnesota, Oakland, where they look like they can beat anybody when everything's come together for a little while. But I think the theme of this season, on top of building and developing for 2020 and 2021, it's inconsistency. They're an inconsistent team, and that's what you get when you're growing and learning at the major league level. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's any other way to put it. There will be times, and a lot of times, it'll be very frustrating, but there will be times when everybody's going to be like, wow, this team could be really good as soon as next Mm -hmm. year or the year after. So that is always something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And a lot of teams finish off the season with 75-80 wins. And what that that means is they win one game, they lose the next game, they win the next game after that, and then they lose. That's just an inconsistent team. The ones who win 95-99 games, those are the ones who can win each series consistently. And the Jays are just not there. All right, fellas. Let's wrap this up. So first things first, let's talk picks to click for the next week until our next show next Wednesday. Richard, who do you think is going to be the Blue Jays MVP for the following week? Um, I'd go with Vladdy because you can just see that he's about to explode. Um, I'll, go, I'll, I'll go with Vladdy Guerrero because I think he's about to like really, really explode in front of our eyes. Just be like, oh, yeah, I think I have. <laughs> I <laughs> I, I think we're all going to go with Vladdy on this one. I'm going to go with Vladdy too. Uh, there's been just been so much good signs over the last few weeks, or sorry, the last few days from Vladdy Jr. That exit velocity continues to climb, even on foul balls that go at 120 miles per hour. So mm-hmm. I'll go with Vladdy. But if there's an answer I'll give that's not Vladdy, just to switch it up a little bit, I think Justin Smoke will start putting it back together. He hasn't got much to hit the last little while, but we know Smokey's good and. Uh, He's going to have to be continue to be good if they want to get any sort of return for him because we've seen mm-hmm. comparisons to Justin Smoke not get anything at the deadline. That's why guys like C.J. Crone were DFA and guys like Justin Bohr were not picked up at the deadline mm-hmm. or even lingered on the free agent market for so long. So hopefully Smoke will pick it up, and I'm going to go he's going to be the MVP for this week mm-hmm. other than Vladdy. The Yankees are yeah, desperate, it's gonna, just saying. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be so tough to get something for Justin Smoke. Like what I think back is Yonder Alonso when he was swinging the ball really, really well, and he adjusted his swing, so now he's hitting bombs. And then uh, trade deadline comes, and I think he was with Oakland maybe, and they traded him to Seattle or something, and they got nothing for him. So, all right, so I gotta do my pick you. now. <laughs> Vladdy, no, I'm okay. I got another one. <laughs> I gotta say it because I think he. His confidence is at an all-time high right now. I think Trent Thornton is going to be something special to watch in his next couple starts. He's taking on the White Sox, and then he's going to get to take on the Red Sox at home. I'm thinking that start against the White Sox, he's going to look pretty good. He is now a two-for-three for three in his Major League hitting career and had a pretty good outing last night and picked up his first Major League win. I'm going to call that locking it in for my pick to click for the next week. <laughs> is there Shohei Otani? Yeah, he's our show. Yeah, let's just hope, let's hope on the next interleague series when they're on the road. I guess that would be in Colorado at the end of May that Trent Thornton is pitching for that series, so we can see him continue to swing his hot bat. 
they were talking before the game on Sportsnet that they, he was actually taking switch hit at bats during BP in the, in the Rogers Center the, before the trip. Like, apparently that's what he used to do when he was playing, when he was a hitter all the time. So, Absolutely. either way, Trent Thornton, major league hitter. <laughs> so He's a pitcher. I think, uh, you still there? Yep. Okay. Yep. All right. It just cut off for a second. I thought I lost everybody. So, Richard, um, your moment to shine, man. Plug whatever you want. Tell us about what's going on. Or if you just want to do a slam dunk on your college career, go right ahead. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, first of all, thank you again for having me on this podcast. Um, love talking baseball with you guys. Love talking Jays with you guys. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at Richard Burks. Um, I'm wrapping up grad school right now. I'm doing a ton of different baseball stuff with Evolution Metrics, hoping to uh, work for an MLB team very shortly after I graduate. So there's a ton of exciting stuff coming um, on the heart on the horizon. So I'm really excited. So Blue Jays yeah, fans, make sure you get on the action here with Richard first and get a talk to him on Twitter before he gets too big for all of us. That's right. We won't be having him on the show too many more times after he's done grad school. Uh, thanks for joining, man. It's been great, as always. I know I've been on a few shows with you in the past. Always great insight, and we'll definitely have you on again in the future. Definitely. Thank you, guys. No problem. Brendan, anything? Closing comments? Go Raptors. That's all I have Go for Raptors. you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing else but that right Nothing. now. Uh, you, you got, they all even got me watching the other night. That's just all I'm saying. As yeah, far man. As basketball goes, that's pretty damn low on my sports list. It's still above soccer and some of the other things, but definitely above NASCAR, even though I'm American. <laughs> <laughs> right in on the fun man that's what we're both heading after we hop off <laughs> oh, yeah. so we won't I won't after slow the you blood down from any future drinking uh, and hopefully celebratory acts but thank you very much both of you it's been a pleasure Brendan it's always great Richard first time on the show loved every minute of it glad to have you awesome thanks guys thanks buddy all right, Blue Jays fans, don't forget to hit us up on Twitter at BirdWatchingGC, on Facebook at that same address, email address, on Skype, whatever the hell you want to get a hold of us at. We are here to talk Blue Jays baseball with you. We're going to have another live show. We're just figuring out when the Vladdy Vladdy Vicious is going to be the most hot so that we can make sure we have a fun show instead of a nice little outing like today where the Blue Jays only had five hits and couldn't pitch out of a brown paper bag. So... Don't forget, also, hit up those subscribe buttons. Leave more reviews so more Blue Jays fans can listen in on us. If you get more reviews on on iTunes, it'll get out to more and more Blue Jays fans. This is how I promise it you. So we'll have another fan chat hopefully soon. And until then, everybody, let's go Blue Jays. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.